Hey. Welcome to today's episode of Ponte Pilas Podcast. Today I have Roberto Green. Uh, Green for money, man. That's a beautiful <laughs> last name. Thank you for taking time of your day to be here today. Of course. Uh, Roberto, for those people that don't know you or follow you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Uh, so you guys can follow me on Roberto Green Jr. on Instagram. I'm available on Facebook, but a lot of my promotions and content is created on uh, Instagram. I also run Home Cash Buyers. Uh, as well on Instagram, where people can follow me because I do a lot of uh, content creation, just providing value for the customers, right? Uh, but I focus mainly on uh, real estate in, uh, investing, and I also do uh, restaurant investing. So I do own three restaurants, Dominican Cuisine, and on the back end, I do a lot of my real estate. I have a real estate portfolio in different areas of uh, the U.S., and I also have uh, an investment in Puerto Rico going on right now but there's a lot that i basically do just to get things going yeah um what was the first venture that you got into was it the restaurant or was it the investing um i would say it was the investing um i got a duplex in brockton in 2017 it was like my first property uh i read rich dad poor dad and that's kind of where i started you know learning a little bit more about real estate and the value that it brings So I started learning more about real estate, but after reading that book, I really wanted to get involved actively, not just reading it. So I, I bought the property and that's where I really started getting my experience as a landlord. It was like ups, it had up and down, just like, you know, yeah. anything, but I learned a lot through just becoming a landlord and owning that property. So it was a, it was a, a huge experience for me. That's awesome. And after that is when you ventured out into owning a restaurant Yeah, so I actually worked in State Street Bank for five years. I was 21 when I started working with them. I was a bilingual client service specialist for the Latin American clients. Um, I then transitioned to asset management and then wealth management, where I managed um, wealthy individuals with over $10 million uh, net worth. I would work with them on the back end and operations in State Street Bank. Um, but throughout that time in State Street, I was always very entrepreneurial. So I was always like venturing into different things. I did multi-level marketing, um, you know, where you buy and sell different things, recruit people. It was a good experience yeah. um, just to, you know, get your get your feet wet and really get involved with people that are like minded as you. Um, I did own another restaurant. It was more like a, a test, I guess, restaurant where I was basically just getting my feet wet, learning. It didn't go as well as I planned. So I sold it back to my partner. Um, but it was a learning experience nonetheless. You know, to me, it's like I never, I was never afraid of failing because I just wanted to at least try, learn, and then continue on. And that's how you gain experience, right? Um, so I did that. But then what I ended up doing was I was promoted to a uh, another company in JP Morgan. Um, so I became a co compliance reporting service officer. Okay. Um, and... Throughout the whole time that I was in State Street, I was really just learning and taking much information as I could that was for free because they give you a lot of programs, a lot of um, trainings, and you meet a lot of great people. So I wasn't afraid to meet with like senior vice presidents, vice presidents, and people that are high levels. That's what's really got me the experience and knowledge that I needed to progress. So I, just to backtrack a little bit, I actually dropped out of college, right? So I went to UMass for two years. I ended up having a son at the age of 20. I got married at 21. So I literally had to start my life at, at a young age, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. as you can imagine, it has its challenges. You know, being young, not having a, a set career path. I actually went through a program called Year Up, uh, which is a one-year intensive training program. And that really was a game changer and changed my life completely because they provided me the, the education and the experience that I needed to learn about finance and financial industry um, to make me feel at least confident enough to acquire an entry-level position in a company like State Street Bank. It was a great company, great experience. Uh, the program was amazing. I recommend it to a, a lot of people, a lot of my friends, a lot of young kids that are coming in, yeah. feel lost after high school. I always present to them that program because I feel like it's, it's a gap between what they're missing between high school, what they should be learning, and college. So if I had a phase where I, I just felt lost. Yeah. Um, and I can get more into detail on that, but I just felt like school didn't give me what I, the tools that I needed to really succeed in, in life. And that's just me personally, right? Yeah. My personal experience, but I'm all about education. 
You gotta educate yourself. You have to learn and you have to be surrounded with people um, that are smarter than you, right? That's how we, we learn and grow. That's true. Um, so one of the main things that I that I took away from, you know, State Street Bank was just operations, creating standing operating procedures, having a system in place, uh, having trainings available, having a community, having a whole uh, a whole environment of just learning, right? Yeah. And that's what really got me into connecting with different people. I became a career coach at one point. I was basically teaching people how to get promoted because I got promoted two two times in State Street Bank without a college degree. And that was just me grinding, working, and hustling. Is that is that unheard of or is that something that's rare? It, it's rare it's, it was rare. Um, very rare in that in the industry with somebody that doesn't have a degree, right? Especially yeah. with somebody that doesn't have a degree. Um, and, and in such a quick time frame so in less than five years i got promoted twice there were people that take you know five years just to get promoted once um and then i started learning about salary negotiation that was a game changer for me i didn't know that you can negotiate salary um so i had gone from thirty thousand dollars to in six years i went over 80k um and that was just me negotiating learning the negotiation of your salary Um, and that's a whole different topic, but that's just me asking questions, talking to my mentors, getting mentorship, right? Yeah. And they're teaching me the game. Um, so that's why I went to JP Morgan because they were the comp competition of State Street Bank and they were able to pay me more. So the, and it's so funny because just recently I was, you know, hearing this, you know, first time you have to negotiate your salary. You have yes. to jump around from jobs mm -hmm. and, you know. In my background, our family instilling us like you have to be loyal to a company, stay with them, and yeah. this and that. And it's it's great that you know you were exposed to those kind of tactics, and you know because it allowed you to grow so rapidly, but also see how companies work on the inside mm -hmm. and build yourself up. Um, and I could imagine, you know, definitely being a young parent, you had that feel in your in yeah. in you to kind of. Like life is, is, this is life now, you know, I have someone that depends on me. I can relate personally to you because I was a, a teen dad, you know, they used to call me I was <laughs> a teen dad and I hated it growing up, but yeah. now that I, I was a teen, you know, but you know what? I appreciate that. That was, that's part of my story. And I love that because it gave me that fuel that I didn't have time to waste, you know, mm. and I, I, and I see that in you and everything you achieve in that that time frame mm. you know it, it resonates so i appreciate it thank you for showing that um growing up can you talk to a little little bit about you growing up how was that experience um anything that you went through in life yeah i mean growing up i, I from what i felt I, i had a very normal childhood um i had both i was blessed to have both parents i didn't know it was a blessing until you know you start really becoming an adult and realizing that a lot of people have you know broken families, broken families. or Um, single mom, single dad. Um, so I was blessed. My parents are still married. They just celebrated their 35th anniversary That's a couple amazing. days ago. So to me, you know, it's, it's a, it was a huge blessing to see. You know, everybody has their ups and downs, but, you know, to see them progress and, and move forward and be together. Uh, they really provided for me and my brothers. I have two younger brothers, but um, they were always there for me, supporting me. They, oh, I would say overprotective, but, you know, as an adult, <laughs> I don't think, you know, I have my kids, so I'm overprotective over them. Yeah. Um, but they really wanted the best for me. And that's all that, you know, matters, right? They were always there for me. Um, when I was younger, I did grow up in the beginning with my grandmother just because, you know, my parents had to work. I had to stay with my grandmother and my grandparents. Um, but one thing that I do remember vividly was like my grandmother was always supportive of me and like my ideas, right? So one of the ideas I had when we were playing as kids was I had set up like a little shop. I had put all the toys together. And I started writing like um, price tags on them, 10 cents here, 20 cents there, 25 cents. So I started selling like the little toys that I had. And she was like, she had her little coin case and just started buying them off of that's me. And awesome. that's, that's what really got me into like, oh, wow, like I can turn this into money. And then that's what really started fueling like that entrepreneur mindset where I'm like, oh, if I take something for let buy low, sell high, you know, say, take something for cheap and sell it at a greater price i can make money from that so that was something that just kind of stayed with me yeah. throughout the years like even in high school like i was selling candy in school i would go to costco buy a box of candy for like ten dollars uh 30 pieces and i did the math i was like okay i buy it for 10 sell it for 
one dollar piece i make 20 dollars profit so then i went back bought three That's cases scary. and then started multiplying it got to the point where i was making a couple hundred dollars every day at school until the teachers got involved and they were like are you doing this for a program or are you just selling this for yourself i'm like oh i'm selling it for myself and then they really kind of like talk low about it. It was like, you yeah. can't do that. You know, you need to have it with a, a baseball team or a football team and it needs to be approved. So then I had to sell like the rest of my inventory. Like I was hiding low. it in the low. <laughs> I was like, you know, I got that Reese's, I got the Snickers um, until I sold it off. Right. But that's what really fueled me. And then I went to, you know, just as, as I continued, I was just, you know, how can I buy low, sell high? And then it got to the point where, you know, the bigger the numbers started coming until I got into real estate when I'm like, wow, like I can sell houses, you know, and I never became an agent, but I became an investor. So like, I feel like I did everything backwards. Okay. But because of the experience that I had as a young kid, it really kind of propelled that mindset of, I want to become an entrepreneur yeah. and I want to just own businesses. I want to become like a business mogul where I'm like, I'm, I'm more of a, a visionary uh, individual. You have your visionaries and integrators. Yeah. So I'm always I'm always collaborating with integrators. These are the people that can actually put things together and make it work. I come up with the masterminding and the ideas and then they go on and implement them. So that's kind of like there was a good book called Rocket Fuel um, that basically talks about that visionaries and in, uh, integrators. So when you look to partner with somebody, you don't want to work with somebody who's a visionary because you guys are just going to bump heads bump and heads, ideas. Right? Yeah. So as a kid, that was really what fueled my entrepreneur spirit and it's great that you identified you know where you want to be and your mindset mm. um did you take anything or any books that really out of, out, of, out of that book um mm -hmm. that really resonate one one of the teachings that kind of clicked for you they're like this is the person i think i see myself being uh, as far as the book goes or like individuals or in either one um when it came to books um i read a lot you know uh think and grow rich yeah. uh rich dad poor dad was a good mind opening one um, how to win friends and influence people. That's a must. Um, the compound effect. You know, these these self-help books are really what keeps fueling my mindset and changing the way I think. Yeah. Because when you're in school, you, you're trained to think a certain way. You know, the books that we read there are a lot distinct than what we can actually learn on our own. Okay. We're reading books like Shakespeare and, and uh, other like How to Kill a Mockingbird, which are great books. But in the real world, are they really going to help you, Correct. you know? And to, to an extent, I felt like the self-help books helped me a lot more in real life than what these other books in school really taught me. I really didn't like to read um, until I started realizing that there's really great books that you can read that are just about different topics. And these are topics that can entertain you. Uh, the Alchemist was also, was also a really great book. I read that in like less than two days so that's my favorite book it's, it was an amazing amazing storytelling it just i didn't want to put that book down um and then pot you know you listen to the podcast uh like this one but like bigger pockets um just really absorb i became a sponge yeah right so i just started learning and i wanted to learn as much as i could i, I got introduced to like tony robbins zig ziglar les brown um that was more like the old school people now you have like your ryan pinedas Um, and, and your Brandon Turner's, David Green, they just start talking a lot more about real estate. But you're like, you're basically every day picking little nuggets from different podcasts, different Correct. books, different people. And you're making that into your education, your experience. And that's how you basically grow as an individual, just absorbing all the knowledge that there is out there. Because there's so much to learn, but it's easy to get lost. But you got to stay with that tunnel vision as far as like what your end goal is. What do you do to implement your learnings and the things that you're absorbing? Yeah. Because there's, I find some people that they they fall into the trap of just digesting, digesting information, but never really transitioning to applying what they learn into practice. Yeah. Um, can you think of a time where you, you you got a learning and you implemented it right away or you saw results of something that you were practicing from your your, your learnings? What it comes down to is just taking action. A lot of people are afraid to take action because of fear of failure. Yeah. You know, when I started realizing um, through just living life that people that you can learn as much as you can. But a lot of people say that knowledge is power, but it's not because I see a lot of very knowledgeable people out there that don't make half the money that, of the people that make take action. I see respectfully less educated people that just take action, fail, learn, and continue that process that are more successful than those with like degrees, 
True. And it's it, it happens. And obviously the opposite as well. There's people with degrees that make more with people that don't. But it comes down to taking action and really implementing what you learn on just on a day-to-day basis. So like if you learn one thing today, you got to find a way to implement it either the next day or throughout your life. You know, the compound effect was a great example. Um, you know, just little changes in your life can have massive effects. You know, the way you eat, the way you work out, the way you save money, spend your spending habits, these like spending $5 less a day compounds to thousands of dollars throughout the years. Right. So it's like really taking that into consideration, but putting them into effect because you can read all you want. You can listen to all these podcasts all you want. Take something, take a nugget or take us a concept or an idea and turn it into reality. And I do that on a daily basis. Like I can't tell you how many times like I go to Canva, for an example, I come up with an idea. I design it like the restaurant that I have in Cambridge right now, the Dominican restaurant. I designed that myself. I didn't hire a company. That was just me traveling uh, taking photos, absorbing as much as I could, going on Canva, um, really like coming up with different design ideas and then just making it happen. So like the other day I was like doing something on Canva. I'm like, wow, like for me to have this in my mind, put um, put it out in the world and then actually create it is amazing. It's rewarding. It's very rewarding. So it's like to me, my advice for people is like you can listen to all these podcasts and read all the books that you want. But if you're not taking action, nothing's going to ever happen. And then you have analysis paralysis where you're just overthinking. Yeah. When it comes to taking risk, right? Or in, any investment is a risk, right? And the reason why I feel like people uh, don't take action is because they lack confidence. They're not confident enough in the, in the risk or they don't have an understanding of it. So it's like you have to tackle either the education aspect and fully understand something or you just have to just take the action and take a calculated risk, right? Especially when it comes to real estate, you know, you're not guaranteed a return, but after you do a a whole entire analysis, like on a flip project, okay, I have my purchase price. You know, I know how much I need to buy this property for. I have my numbers, I have my rehab, and I also have an addition miscellaneous um, expense just in case anything happens that isn't covered. So it's like, once you have a full understanding of your, uh, your deal analysis, then you're like, okay, I can actually take a risk of yep, having this deal because there's enough profit in case something does go wrong. There's enough room for profit. Like I won't take a deal uh, if I'm not making at least $50,000 on a flip project. Okay. If it's like 25 or less, it's too much risk for me because if anything goes wrong, especially with houses here in Massachusetts that are old, yeah. if anything goes wrong, if you open up a wall and things are not up to code, you can lose that $25,000 easily. easily. Yeah. So you want to take calculated risks. Yes. And you want to make sure that you are taking actions, but then you feel more confident. So if you're not confident, find somebody who is, work with them, do a joint venture deal and take on that project as an example. Just, but just with anything in life, you have to take action. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Um, we're going into the segment where, you know, I like to have reflection mm-hmm. of, you know, you growing up. Um, and I like to ask this question because it puts you in a perspective everything you've accomplished, everything you've, you know, dealt with in life. Mm. Uh, what advice would you give to your 13-year-old self? Um, based on everything you learn, everything you experience, you walk in the room, you see mm. your younger self sitting down. What's one piece of advice would you give that person? So many bits of advice. I mean, one of them, as far as like investment goes, would be to really learn more about like financial literacy. I did not know that was a thing until later in the years when I was like, okay, like, why am I working? Yeah. You know, what's the whole point of me going to school for, you know, all my childhood, all my, my young years. Right. And then working until I'm 65. So learning financial literacy, like that's when I really started exposing myself to, you know, financial freedom, financial dependence, um, investing, learning what that really meant and how to actually take action. It wasn't just saving money, saving money, saving money, and that's it. Um, But really taking the time to learn about financial independence. Um, Having better choosings of my friends, you know, who you you surround yourself has a huge impact on who you become. Yeah. Right? Like my grandmother used to tell me, um, dime con quien tu andas y yo te digo quien tu eres. You know, tell me who you surround yourself with and I will tell you who you are. And I never understood that until I became an adult. I'm like, wow, like she was so right. Yeah. 
So there's a lot of these phrases, you know, a lot of these uh, tips of advice that as an adult, you realize, but when you're younger, you don't. And that was one of the biggest um, advices that she gave me that I just overlooked yeah. that I wish I would have paid more attention as a young kid. Also, just really focusing on self-development. Like, I, I really had no confidence when I was a kid. It wasn't until um, my second marriage that I really built that confidence in myself and really started seeing the value that I brought to the table. Yeah. Where I was just being very humble, very, like, mel like you know, under the table, just like, okay, yeah. I'll get this done. But it's like, when, when I really, like, in perspective, look at everything that I've done, like, I've built three restaurants. I've I've flipped houses. You know, I turned a, a, a restaurant, a, one of the restaurants from $100,000 in gross revenue, which is nothing, to over uh, $700,000 in, in, in sales, right? In a, in a matter of a couple, a couple years. Yeah. Um, and, like, in my mind, I'm like, well, that's not a million dollars, but it's, like, it's still growth. It's growth, yeah. You know, and then, like, I flipped a house. Like, flipping a house, I did a full gut renovation. That's very difficult to do. And I sold it for $25,000 over asking during COVID. So it's like all these things that I'm doing, it's like I'm always pushing myself, but I'm always kind of belittling myself because I'm also comparing myself to others. Yeah. And that's another piece of advice. Stop comparing yourself to fulano de tal, you know, stop comparing yourself to other people. You you have never been in their shoes. Like people that for, for me to have somebody walking my shoes, I don't think they would survive, you know, and this is me speaking based off all the things that I've gone through personally, I know, I, I know and understand that other people go through more traumatic experiences, but yeah. to everybody, they have their own experiences. Right. But for people to deal with what I deal with on a daily basis, like, and this goes back to the point, like I really, I went through a phase where I had developed an anxiety disorder and this was me. This was me working in state street bank, me having, you know, the two kids at the time, having a, a, a marriage that was failing, and really not having, so feeling like I didn't have sufficient income to provide for my family because I ended up moving back to my mother's house. Um, and these are the things that people don't see. They, people see, you know, and this is our fault too, especially with social media. People only see the good. The good they yeah. see the, the quick two-second highlight of the story. Like, I just bought a villa in Puerto Rico. But they don't see the times that I'm going to Puerto Rico, dealing with the contractors, dealing with the issues, getting phone calls, working with the investors, making sure the investors are all set. Um, they don't see all of that. They just see, oh, Roberto just bought a villa and that's on me. So that's why now I try to be a little bit more transparent and show people like, look, this, this is a septic tank system. This is how you got to deal with it. This is the AC units. Yeah. This is what things cost. This is what island time looks like, you know? Um, but back to the anxiety disorder, it was just me not speaking about it. Me, you know, not taking healthy decisions. I was eating unhealthy. I wasn't working out very stressed. I was overworking. I was in a toxic work environment. Um, my marriage was, was failing. Uh, the kids were becoming distant because I was never home. I was always working or going to networking events. And I went to literally every networking event with no direction. So I also felt lost. I didn't speak to anybody. And then uh, when I finally, years later, when I started, when I went to a therapist, you know, cause you, you go to a therapist and you think something's like you're going crazy, but exactly, it's, yeah. it's honestly like just you speaking your mind to somebody that you can trust on a professional level. Cause if talking to friends is a lot different than talking to somebody who's professional, it's more confidential. So when I started laying out, she's like, okay, Roberto, you know, what's you have anxiety. What's, what's going on? Lay it out. When I literally like laid out every little issue that I was dealing with my broken marriage, the kids being distant, the issues that I was dealing with, with the real estate, the tenants not paying, you know, me living at my mother's house, turning my mother's, my mother turned her, her dining room into my room. Okay. Uh, my son lived in a closet space that we built out just so he can stay there because we had accumulated $7,000 in credit card debt, of retail credit card debt. Um, I was unhealthy. I was overweight. I was... I was laying everything out and then she was like, you don't understand why you have anxiety and this is everything that you're dealing with on your own. You haven't spoken to anybody about it. She's like, no wonder. And I was just bawling my eyes out and I was like, I'm stressed. And she's like, I know. Yeah. And then that's when I realized I had too much on my plate and I was just holding it all in. Yeah. And it got to the point where I really started realizing like, you know, I need to be more open about my issues because if not, I'm just going to lose everything. And at one point I did. Okay. I lost the marriage. Um, you know, the kids ended up moving far away from me. 
And that's the price that I had to pay, you know, just because of everything that was going on. Um, a lot of the choices that I made, you know, were poor choices. Um, and the consequ the consequences were just basically the results of those poor choices. And I had to accept them. Um, but the anxiety disorder, the way I was able to overcome it, because it got to the point where I was somewhat suicidal. You know, I believe in God. So, like, that really, like... Yeah. Def like protected me from like doing something stupid. Correct. Um, but I really, it was just like anxiety. If you haven't dealt with anxiety, an anxiety disorder, like what I tell people is like, imagine that feeling that you get when you're going to go public speaking, right? Correct. That little, that crazy pit in your stomach, you start to get your, your hand gets numbly, you start getting um, numb, your, your arm tingles. Imagine that emotion 24 seven. Not just when you're going to get to the stage. Imagine that emotion 24-7. That's when you lost control of your emotions, and that's anxiety disorder. When you feel like you need to take uh, lorazepam or Xanax or drugs or, or alcohol to really numb the pain, when in reality it's just like a chemical imbalance in your body and also a mental thing as well Correct. because you lost control of your mentality. So to me, when I dealt with the anxiety disorder, I felt like, there was a switch. Like imagine that switch that's across the room. You want to press it to turn off the anxiety, but you can't reach it. And you're just reaching and reaching and reaching, but you can't turn it off. That's what the anxiety disorder was in my life. So to turn it off, I had to go through a whole mental, physical, spiritual transformation. Okay. You know, I had to go to the gym. I had to cut back on um, caffeine. That really helped trigger, like triggered it. Um, sodas I caught off. Caffeine, I, I cannot drink after 12 p.m. because I, I become anxious. Okay. Um, fast foods really add to it, you know, yeah. being unhealthy. Um, and that's what really got me out of anxiety. And then just me meditate, learning how to meditate, learning how to shut off my mind. Like now I can fall asleep anywhere. Like if I got to take a power nap in, in a bus that's moving this loud, I can take a 20 minute power nap because mentally I can just shut myself off. If I start feeling anxious, I can control it. I'm like, okay, I'm getting anxious. I need to get out of this environment or I need to start meditating. And then really shutting off your mind because your mind is 24-7 from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep. If you don't have any time for yourself to really like think yeah. for yourself and just relax, your mind is going to take over. And that's what's really going to take over your, your, your body. Right. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone that's dealing with that? I know you just gave great examples of what helped you. Um, and uh, <clears throat> speaking about it, you know, like you said, you mm -hmm. know, you you identified each thing mm -hmm. and you spoke about it and you were able to address it. Um, outside of the examples you give, what, what advice would you give to someone that's mm -hmm. struggling with anxiety? Really write down what causes your anxiety, whether... You know, to me, I had to really analyze what I was eating, um, what I was doing, the environment that I was in. So in, in the bank, it was a very, very intense environment. I was dealing with millions of dollars and I was being micromanaged. So I knew that my job was part of the problem. Yeah. Right? It was so much, so much pressure that it just created that anxiety. So I knew my environment, for one, needed to be changed. So I needed a new job. Then it was my health. I was very unhealthy and I knew I needed to change my, my diet and my lifestyle. So got a personal trainer, started working out, started eating healthy um, and started seeing the changes. That's how I realized that, you know, after 12 o'clock, I felt anxious. Like you really have to be in one with your body. You really have to understand your body and, and, and really just take the time to be like, okay, I feel different now. Why is that? What did I eat? What did I drink? What did I different? So really taking a journal and writing it down, like I drank coffee today after 12 and then you do it again and you feel the same. Okay. Well then it's the coffee that's causing my anxiety. Okay. Right. And that's just me self analyzing my day to day. All right. All right. So we're in uh, identifying each, each thing that causes your anxiety. Yep. So your environment, what you consume, your lifestyle, um, your thought process too. A lot of people I didn't know was a thing, but they overthink a lot. And they, they let any little thing disrupt them. So learning how to not focusing on what you can't control, like control what you can control, whatever you can't control, just, you can't do anything about it. Like if I'm ever late, 
I don't care because it's like I'm going to be. I should have been on time, obviously. But if I'm going to be late, I can't control me being late. I can just control me driving safely to work or wherever I have to be or just waking up earlier the next day so that I don't have to deal with that stress. Right. Especially when you're in traffic. A lot of people have traffic anxiety now. Yeah. Um, but understanding what the causes of the anxiety and controlling your mind. If you're not going to get to work late, you're going to get to work whether you're anxious or not. You're just going to get there late. Um, so it doesn't, doesn't even matter. I don't let little things like bother me anymore. So like, um, I, one of the things I mentioned earlier was like, I, I just become a problem solver. Okay. So every single day I know that I'm going to deal with something new, but I'm not worried about it until the next day or until it happens. So one of the things that with anxiety is like people that think about the future too much are anxious. The people that think about the past too much are depressed. Depressed. Yep. The people that are present in the day are calm. Why is that? Because they're present. You're not thinking about what happened or what can potentially happen. And I found myself thinking like that a lot. I had like a claustrophobia of being in, a, in an elevator because I was like, what if the elevator shuts off? Yeah. Or a social phobia where I'm just like, there's too many people around me. I cannot be around these people. I need to get away or I'm too far away from a, a hospital. If something does happen to me, I need to be close to a hospital. It was, it was a weird way of thinking, Yeah. but only people that have dealt with anxiety will understand what I'm talking about right now. Do you think there's a trauma or something that happens in life that kind of triggers that anxiety or is that something that is developed over the years of constant? Worry? Yeah. I mean, definitely I'm, I'm not a doctor to be giving advice. I'm just, giving you know yeah, tips from, as far as what what has helped me yeah i do know that like you know post-traumatic stress disorder people have gone through really traumatic yeah, experiences. experiences so they end up getting an anxiety and these are just traumas that they need to either speak about yeah or i've never had that so i can't speak on it um but anxiety is like if somebody has like um anxiety of being in, in an elevator maybe they did have a bad experience and they yeah. were stuck in the elevator maybe they want to take the stairs now you know, but really learning how to to control your mind. You know, I was watching something uh, about the kids in I forgot what country it was Taiwan, or they they were they were stuck in a cave for like almost a month. Yeah, and they were calm because they were meditating. Their their coach was basically guiding them guiding through meditation. Them. But imagine being in the dark for days, just for a couple hours. But like imagine being days without food, without water, without anything. And these kids were well. You know, that takes a lot of mind power, you know, to get to that level of being calm. So it's like you do have to work on your mind, um, working on your mind, working on your spirituality and work, working on your physical um, being. Right. You think those are the three elements that kind of bring you as a whole. Correct. To be the right. Correct. You need, within your skin. If you have a faith, you know, you, you have your faith in God or whatever, whoever you believe in. So that things are going to be fine. You have that sense of hope. Yeah. Mentality is like you control your thinking. If you're in a, in a peaceful state of mind, you're going to be fine. If you're panicking and, and stressing out and going like you're going to go crazy. Right. And then if you if you are unhealthy, your mind, is, your body is just not going to adapt to change, you know, where versus you being more fit or more, you know, more um, defined in your body and you're in a better state chemically physically, physically yeah. and just in general uh i feel like you have better chances of overcoming the anxiety and then obviously speaking about it you know talk to a professional um that you're comfortable with i had to go through a couple therapists to really feel comfortable speaking yeah but then one of the things that they asked me was like what's the worst that could happen so i would always bring up these scenarios like i was afraid to go on a plane because i thought i would get a panic attack and then there's like okay hey, well, what's the worst that could worst that could happen the worst that could happen is like you die and it's like after you die it's like who cares you're dead you know, but it's like, yeah. it's just having these different ways of thinking um, that really gives you like that peace of mind. Like, what's the worst that can happen if you're late to work? You're going to get a slap on your wrist. <clears throat> you're going to get fired. You're going to find a new job. Like people overthink and that's causing, that's what's causing their anxiety. That's the, the spinning wheel. That's the spinning wheel. You, you just got to stay calm, like stay calm, cool and collected and be present. So that's amazing. Yes. Thank you for sharing those experiences, that knowledge that's helped you personally yeah. overcome that. Um I, I mean, I think as men, we don't talk about that subject because we, we I th personally being Latino is like we have to be strong, capable, mm -hmm. uh, and we all deal with so many things, just life in mm -hmm. general. We were talking earlier how, you know, we and I, I pointed out how you view successful people for their challenges 
and not just on the the shiny things you know the things that are going good for them that you you see their that you understand that they're going through so much mm. to be able to accomplish what that what they're what they're accomplishing mm. and that's a great perspective and i told you you know that's that's definitely a good perspective to see it not a lot of people see it that way um okay so we're in the segment of ponte pilas mm. where any any time in your life where you failed like you were in discomfort with your life i know you gave so many great examples <laughs> but you know yeah. you, you even told me you, you you set me up like, listen man i got so many things and i appreciate yeah. you sharing those stories um any time in your life that you felt discomfort you needed to you know grasp life and really go after the things you want to um and you told yourself ponte pilas um yeah i mean i've hit a lot of low points in my life one of them was you know after getting divorced i i literally had to start from nothing you know i lost everything lost the family lost the kids um and it was really a huge challenge for me you know it still is um but i knew i had to you know keep going and ponerme la pilas like like they say right so it was me just focusing on me um and that's one of the things that i never really did was really having time for myself I was always in a relationship. I was always with somebody. I was always worried about other people. Um, and I always put people first before me. It got to the point where I was like, I felt bad taking care of myself, right? So like one prime example was when I was at work, I remember I had a belt with tape and I had my shoes that were like broken. And then somebody had asked me, why, like, why is there tape on your, on your belt? And why, why are your shoes, why are there holes in your shoes? Go get new shoes. I'm like, I didn't think about it. I'm just like, no, I'd rather not. And then when I really thought about it, it's like the reason being was because I felt guilty taking care of myself and not giving that money to the kids or buying them new clothes because, you know, we were tied on funds at the time. And it was like, do I really put myself first or put the kids needs first? Make sure that they're good. Like my kids have everything they need. They have food, water, shelter. They're good. And that was to me the most important, but yeah. I kept putting myself last. And it affected me because I was part of the anxiety. I put myself last. I can't even tell you the, the last time I had, I never got a massage by my, like for myself. So the first time I went for a massage, the lady was like, oh, you're hard. I'm like, yeah, I work out. She was like, no, you're tense. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, your muscles are it's like, I've never felt muscles this tight. Yeah. And I remember like, I went for like almost every week for, for a period of time because I was so tense. She was like, you need to come back next week. And for a couple of weeks, I'll take care of you, but you're very tense. And I started seeing the difference, like just getting massages did, you yeah. know, getting a facial, you know, get, getting haircuts or, um, I thought going out to eat by yourself was weird. Going out to the movies was weird by yourself, but I really started learning how to spend time with myself and really loving myself. That's right. Awesome. And that's really where I started. Like my life started to change for the better. Um, because I was just focused on everybody else and not focusing on my, my happiness, my well being. um, you know, presentation, like I never really focused on how I, I, I looked, you know, in my second marriage, I really started learning more about taking care of myself. And I have so much respect for her because she really taught me how to like, you know, take care of myself. Just, just, yeah, just, um, you know, I work hard. She's like, buy yourself something nice, buy yourself something designer if you want, you know? And I started buying designer clothes. Um, I started dressing up nicer, started taking care of my body, started working out a lot more and just really focusing on my appearance, uh, appearance and focusing on just taking care of myself, going out to nice places to eat. Like I've never really been to fancy places to go eat. Like you have your ocean primes, your Del Frisco's, your maestros. Like I've never been there. I was used to ch uh, Chili's Fridays, Bertucci's, yeah. but there's different levels of, of food, like like right now, like I'm a foodie. I'm a huge foodie. Like I've gone, yeah. to, I can't even tell you, like I've gone to so many countries and so many different places around the world where I taste real, like different flavors. So like to me, when somebody tells me, for example, ceviche, if they tell me this ceviche down the street is good, I'm like, that's garbage because my level of ceviche is from Peru. So I've tried the best of the best ceviche. So when I try other, other ceviches, it's not <laughs> the same as somebody else telling me, oh, this one down the street is really good. Yeah. So, but that's me taking care of myself, me exploring. I never traveled. Like I, I would only go to Florida and maybe Puerto Rico once or twice in a, in a blue. Uh, in my second marriage, um, 
I really started learning the power of traveling and getting experiences and really living. Yeah. You know, I've traveled more in the past two years than I did my entire lifetime. Right. I like right now I, I can probably say I travel almost every month and that's unheard of to some people. People plan to travel. Yeah. I can get a flight next week and go to Puerto Rico, go wherever I want, you know, and that's, that's a huge blessing that I've worked hard for it. Like right now I am in a position where I, I'm living the life that I dreamt of. Yeah. Right. But to your point about success, to me, success doesn't exist. It's just an illusion in your mind. You know, because our, if you ask anybody in this podcast what success is to them, everybody's going to give you different answers. Correct. You know, and to you, your your life is probably already a success for somebody in a third world country, but you don't appreciate it because you already have it. So to me, success is always the next step. The It's the journey of what you're doing and what you're living in life to get to the next level. But that next level is always going to get pushed to the next level. Right. So you want to make $10,000 a month. Perfect. You hit $10,000 a month. Okay. That's nothing to you now. Now you want to make 20, 30, $40,000 a month. Correct. So it's like learning. Another big thing that I learned was being grateful and living in gratitude, you know, being grateful where I am today in, in my life compared to where I, I used to be, yeah. because you're always, there's always room for growth and always going to be room for comparing yourself to other people who have more than you. Correct. But what we don't do is we don't compare ourselves to people that have less than us. Yeah. Right. And that's why really traveling opened up my eyes because like, if I go to Guatemala, I see how poor, like the projects here are not the projects in in a third world country. Like they live in little shacks, Correct. you know, they're burning their, their, their garbage and, yeah. and that's what they do. But to me, it's like learning how to be grateful, but also learning how to set goals, but realizing that there's always going to be that one goal that you're never going to meet because time is against you. You're going to have a goal that you're never going to reach because you're going to die eventually. And that's another thing that I really, I really value my time and my life because we have an expiration date. Correct. We're all going to die. We don't talk about it. We don't think about it, but we feel invincible in one we, sense. You exactly. Know, we don't really grasp that. We don't think about it. And it's exactly. like, I can die tomorrow for all I know. Correct. You know, and that's that's the excitement of life, that it's going to end and you don't know when. And that's why I feel like I really have to just live each day, one day at a time. That's my motto, like one day at a time. Whatever I have to deal with today, whatever problems come today, whatever issues come today, whatever happiness comes today is for today. Whatever happened in the past is no longer there. What's going to happen in the future I'll worry about it tomorrow because then that's going to be my new day. And that's kind of how I started becoming more calm. I don't have anxiety issues anymore. Um, I can't say I'm like always happy. I go through my depression. I go through my happiness. I go through my worry phases. Like it's normal. It's like a roller coaster of emotions, just like love and just like being in a relationship. You have your ups and downs, but really focusing on the positive and trying to, you know, stay around uh, people that push you and motivate you because I would lie to you right now if I told you I'm always happy. I still go through depression. I still go through my sad phases. But learning how not to stay in them for too long, you can be depressed for, for days, months, weeks, or or just a couple minutes. But learning how to control that depression, like, okay, well, this happened. I'm depressed for a little bit. All right. Well, I got to figure something else to, Ponte las pilas. Ponte las pilas, to, yeah. to become happier. I remember seeing a, an Instagram reel where this this guy was explaining. I think he was talking to his therapist too, and his therapist is like, "I just want to be happy," and he's like, "You understand that being in that state of emotion forever, it's impossible. That means you are flatlined. Life is if you look at a heartbeat goes up, yeah. goes down. You know, you have your highs, your lows. If you're always in the same, that means you're dead. You're not living. You know. Mm. So embrace. And you said it. You know, if you if you are through depression. Bounce back up. If you're you're in the high, humble yourself because mm. things can change. Mm -hmm. You have no control of certain circumstances. Um, and I just I love you know, like you said, look looking at podcasts, reading, and just life experiences. Yeah. And I can I truly relate to you, man. And I appreciate you sharing that that aspect. Of course, um, Roberto. Anything you want to leave the episode with? Um, any quotes? Anything that you resonates with you? Um, that you want to speak about? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've said a lot. Um, just in general, live your life. You know, don't don't live it on other people's terms. Don't compare yourself to other people. Take care of yourself. 
you know, if you, if you lack confidence, work on your confidence, surround yourself with confident people. Uh, if you feel lost, find mentorship. There's a lot of great people that you can meet out there. I'm in a lot of great masterminds. Um, FI investors is one of them with Diego Corzo. There's another one uh, called, uh, I, he's going to kill me. Um, the circle, the inner circle, uh, that's Felipe Mejia. And these are just like real estate masterminds that I've joined that you really surround yourself with solid people. Um, and that's really what got me into the investment in Puerto Rico, right? I, I found my private investors through these masterminds. I've connected and grown a lot with these individuals and they've really um, excelled my life because I've just been surrounded by people that are doing better than me or they are where I want to be. Correct. Right. Um, don't be so hard on yourselves in life. You know, I know your people, especially with social media, we're always comparing. You know, stop comparing, put the phone down, um, create, don't consume when it comes to social media, right? Because you can get so lost and you're living in literally you're living in the metaverse. You're not living in your universe. So you really need to focus on that and relationships. Relationships are very important. Um, who you pick as your partner has a huge impact on how your life will become. You know, they're either going to be your rock or they're going to be somebody that doesn't give you the support and foundation that you need. Uh, for you to progress in your life, you know, so being very mindful and selective on who you pick as your partner um, will have a huge impact on the trajectory of your life, you know, just in general. Uh, when it comes to anxiety, again, just be, live in the present. Um, really journal down your emotions and what could be triggering that anxiety and then change either the environment, your health habits or your mindset. Uh, your mind, body, and spirituality have a huge effect on your anxiety. Um, but it's you can't overcome it. You, I personally feel like you don't need drugs and, and all these um, prescribed medications because they treat it. They don't cure it. Right. So really focus on on taking care of yourself. Find Finding somebody that you can speak to that you can trust. If it's not a friend, family, then find somebody professional that can that you can feel comfortable because letting it all out really does a huge uh, uplifting of all the weight that's on your shoulders, especially as men. I feel like that men are, are being targeted. There's a lot of pressure on men right now. What it, what it, what it means to actually be a man. Um, a lot of these, you know, different mindsets of manhood. But to me, it's like, I'm very pro being, being a, a man, you know, just Correct. having conversations with your kids um, you know, being the head of the household, uh, being the pro financial provider, like that's what, uh, that's what I like to do. Like, that's what I want to do. Correct. Um, but there's a lot of pressure on men and, and being the opposite, you know, being weak, thinking different. And I just feel like there's a lot of room for us to grow as men because we are, we are the foundation of our families. And there's a lot of broken families, unfortunately, right now, um, because we're just not guided the right way. Correct. And there's a lot of different philosophies and going on right now um but i feel like there's a lot of opportunity as well um the best opportunities are like during recessions during depressions uh during downturns you know you want to be fearful when everybody's greedy be greedy when everybody's fearful um there's a lot of opportunity but really niche down to what you really want to learn um and focus on that when you go too wide you get distracted by so many things. The silver object syndrome is, is big. It happens to me all the time. It still happens to me right now, yep, trying to find here. my niche. Um, I'm not afraid to test different things, but I've noticed that when you really focus on the one thing, which is another great book to read, you just give your one thing, all your focus. It's, it's a risk, but you're going to see a lot more um, out of it because that's the only thing that's focused that you're focused on. And you're not being distracted by outside things. Um, I can give so much more. It's just time is of the limit. You know, I understand, <laughs> but there's just so much that I've gone through in life that it just has given me so many different um, per perceptions of life and different ways of thinking. But it really comes down to just staying hungry, staying educated, um, getting the experiences and taking action um, so that you can progress and, and grow in your career and just learn how to be happy with what you have. Be grateful. Awesome, man. Roberto, are you open to mentorships or taking someone under you? If yeah. Someone that listens to the episode, if they want to reach out. Yeah, of course. I mean, they can reach out to me directly. I do want to create like a mastermind um, just 
having open conversations. Yeah. It could be one-on-one. It could be group. I would love to, you know, have more Latinos, more men, but anybody in general uh, join just to have open conversations and just help one another. Because a lot of the things that I feel like the answers are there, but people are either afraid to ask, ask. or don't know who to ask. Correct. Right. I do have a mentorship on how to flip houses as well. So if people want to learn how to flip properties, do renovations, I have a whole course, um, homecashbuyersacademy.com. You can go there and basically get a free ebook and learn how to, the step-by-step blueprint on how to flip houses. You can schedule a one-on-one call with me directly. Just click the link in my bio on Instagram, or you can just take the courses that are available to you. You can get a one-on-one mentorship program with me. Or you can get the course that basically lays out from start to finish everything that you need to learn how to flip houses. But in general, I'm always open and I always talk to people that reach out, you know, and that's the thing. A lot of these listeners are going to listen and they're not going to call me. And that's my point to taking action. Like I have so much information to give for free that people don't take the time to really reach out to me. So let's see how many people actually reach out. But this is what I'm telling you. And I want the people that are listening to this right now. Take action. Take if action. you're just listening and not taking action, you're just going to listen to the next podcast episode and not do anything. And like you said it earlier, you know, don't be the consumer. Uh, take action. Mm-hmm. And we have this beautiful tool of technology that allows us access to people in a direct way. And if you're not taking that opportunity to capitalize and connect and reach the people who you found impossible to reach through, do it now. Take action and Roberto, it's been a pleasure to have you on Thank today's you, episode. Appreciate you. Uh, we'll definitely do part two, part three, part four. Cause I have a lot of parts here. There's a lot of podcasts I've done that do like two, three parts on me. Exactly. <laughs> I, I appreciate your time, man. Yeah, Thank you for being on the episode of Montepilas. No, I appreciate you, bro. Thank right. you. Thank you.